Thank you, Dale. Thank you, Drew and Cheryl, and everyone who's taken part uh, this morning. It's great to be, be with you. And it's, we're going to look at our next in our series on uh, uh, Jesus, with Jesus on the mountains. And uh, last time we looked at Temptation Mountain, as uh, Jesus was there uh, enduring a time of testing, as Satan was there giving him temptations. Make sure this is on right. Very good. Uh, and so we're continuing today uh, with Disciple Mountain. So that's our next one. So I'm just moving this across a bit here because I'm a bit free with this uh, new microphone. So we're looking at Disciple Mountain from Matthew 4 and uh, looking at what happened there on another mountain. So let's pray as we look at God's word together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can journey uh, through the Bible and look at the life and teaching of our Lord and Saviour Jesus. Help us now as we look at what he taught and help us to look at how he taught and who he was as he stood there on that mountain many years ago. We ask you to bless us and speak to us in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Lovely. Well, let's think about what's happened on the mountain back there. We've got Disciple Mountain, which, of course, is in the New Testament times after Jesus came to the world. But then we've got another mountain that happened that, uh, where something took place many, many, many years ago, and uh, it's Mount Sinai. So who can tell me there was someone who went up Mount Sinai and was given some tablets there, like that, and there was a law on those tablets. Who can tell me the name of that person? Uh, yes, Jethro? Moses, well done. You know someone in your family named after, after that person. And so it's, it's Moses. And there God speaks on Mount Sinai many, many years ago. But when we come to Mount Disciple or Disciple Mountain, we see that Jesus speaks. So that's interesting. Mount Sinai, God spoke and gave the commandments to Moses. And we see how Jesus speaks on Disciple Mountain. And we see also back then that God gave Moses the law on those tablets and uh, with other instructions. So God gave the law through Moses. But on Disciple Mountain, Jesus gives his law to his disciples. So Jesus speaks and Jesus gives his law. He doesn't get, as it were, instructions from his father to, to what to say. He speaks. He doesn't pass on a law from God, but he speaks himself. So that's interesting. Now, it says here in Hebrews chapter 1, verse uh, 2, so you can see the screen there at the front, Isaac. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors, people like Moses in the past, through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So in the past, God used people like Moses. God used other prophets like Elijah to speak to people. And God spoke in many and various ways through the prophets. But in these last days, God has spoken to us by his son. So we have an amazing privilege to think that on that mountain, on Disciple Mountain, God was speaking to us by his son. God was speaking to us by his son, and that's important. Now, let's uh, remind ourselves, Moses said, the Lord says, because he was passing on something from God. Moses was just an ordinary man, a prophet though, but an ordinary man. But when Jesus spoke, he said, I tell you. In the Sermon on the Mount, from Mount Disciple, Jesus said, I tell you, I tell you. It's a very different thing. Now, let's move on here. So on Mount Sinai, there was someone called Moses, but Jesus is greater than Moses. So 
who is Jesus? Well, we've seen already he is God's, you can tell me? Yes. Son, that's right, he is God's son. Well, oh, sorry, it went too fast. He's God's son. And as it said from Hebrews, God has spoken to us by his son. So there's someone there on Disciple Mountain who's greater than Moses, who is God's very own son. And that's a wonderful thing. Now, let's think of also another fact about this. We also ask ourselves, who is Jesus? And Jesus is someone who gave us some instructions. Now, here's the Apostle Paul writing in 1 Corinthians 9, and he says, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. And he's describing how he worked in his missionary work. But he says, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. So if Christ gave us a law, if Jesus gave us law, that means that Jesus is a law giver. Well done, a law giver, exactly. So Jesus is a law giver. He gives us his way to live on Mount Disciple. So that's another amazing thing. Now let's think about again who Jesus is. Now it says in Matthew chapter 7, when Jesus had finished saying these things, they were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So who is Jesus? He's someone, he's got a name that you're going to see some of them when you go to school tomorrow, but he's the best ever one of these. It begins with T. What is Jesus? He is a, yes Isaac, a teacher, that's right, he's teacher. So who is Jesus? He is teacher. So if there's a teacher, we need to listen to them. And if the teacher is the son of God, and if the teacher is the lawgiver, and if the teacher is Jesus, then we need to take him very seriously because he speaks with authority. He speaks with the authority of God. Now, sometimes, let me tell you a secret, even school teachers don't know all the answers. And, you know, sometimes school teachers get it wrong. Don't say it too loudly. But even school teachers can get things wrong, okay? But Jesus doesn't get anything wrong because he speaks with authority, the one who knows all things. So let's think about who Jesus is. He's our lawgiver. He's God's son. He's our teacher. Let's also think about who Jesus is as he stood there on Mount Disciple many years ago. We find out Jesus is, he is our king. He's our leader and king. Because this is what he said. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. So in other words, to be a disciple of Jesus, to be a Christian, Jesus needs to be in charge of our lives. And we need to say yes to him above everything and everyone else. So we need to say yes to Jesus above everything and everyone else. And he calls us to follow him. He calls us to follow him. So that's why I've got a picture of the, the footsteps here and the trails. There we are. We've got the footsteps and the trail because Jesus calls us to follow him. He's someone that we need to follow. He's our leader and he is our king. Now, these are interesting things. Not one more for now. Who is Jesus? Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate. And he talks about a road that leads to life and a few find it. So there's a road that leads to life. And he also talks about a road that leads to destruction. And we'll see that a bit better. So if Jesus is offering to us a way that leads to life instead of a way that leads to destruction, that means Jesus is our rescuer or he is, what's another word for rescuer? When we think about Jesus, the word begins with S, word for rescuer. You can tell me. Jackie got the answer, I think. Savior. Savior. Well done, Jackie. Who is Jesus? 
He is saviour. He's saviour. He's our rescuer. He offers us a way of rescue. He offers us a way of life. Okay, so Jesus is all these things. And we'll come back to that a little bit later on. So keep in your memories about who Jesus is. Okay, now let's think about something else. Let's think about what we need to do when we think about Jesus being all these things. So the question is, what should we cross that out? What would you do? What should you and I do? What should you do when we think about Jesus being all these amazing things? Now, if Jesus is God's son, how do we need to respect him? How do we need to show respect for him? Who can tell me? Do we give him great respect, little respect? Do we give him great honor or little honor? What do you think? If Jesus is God's son, yes, Gracie? A lot, that's right, the maximum, the best. We need to worship him as God, don't we? And give him the honor. If Jesus is the lawgiver, if he gives us the way to live, a good way to live, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? Is it, oh, anybody know what we need to do? Jesus gives us his way to live and shows us the best way to live. Yes. Obey, well done, exactly, well done to obey. If Jesus is our teacher, what do we need to do? What do we need to do if he's our teacher? Yes, to listen to him, that's right, to listen to him. If Jesus is our leader and king, what do we need to do? If he's our leader and king, follow. We're at the back there, fantastic, follow. We need to follow him. If Jesus is our saviour, what do we need to do? Who can tell me? Begins with B. Believe or trust, that's right. Believe or trust in him, to trust in him as our saviour. So Jesus is all these things, and we need to recognise how precious he is. Jesus is our teacher. Now, I've got a little Bible here. It's got a zip on it. And uh, I wonder if anyone can, can you, could you read that? Could you read that with your eyes? I have to wear glasses to read that because it's really small writing. So that's my little Bible. My little Bible there. There we are. My little Bible. And this is really good for keeping, you can take it with you easily. Now, Joel, he's got in his uh, school jacket because they have to wear jackets even in sixth form. That looks smart. And he's got an even smaller Bible than this. It's a little Bible about that big, just the New Testament, and it fits inside his jacket pocket. And he takes it to school because Jesus is very precious to Joel. And Jesus is very precious to him. So he wants to have his word near to him. And he has it near to his heart. Well, I guess it's on his left or right, but it's, it's somewhere near his heart. And so it's, it's very precious to him. And that's a little picture, isn't it, that you may not have a pocket in your jacket or your, for a little Bible. But to have God's word in our hearts, to have love for Jesus in our hearts, wherever we go, even school, is a very important thing. Because Jesus is all these things, and we need to honour him, and we need to believe in Jesus, to follow him. And we need to recognise that we are under his law, because he is our teacher, he is our lawgiver. Okay, so that's a bit what we need to do. Let's think about who was there. Because 2,000 years ago on Disciple Mountain, there were lots of people. There were crowds, crowds and crowds of people. Now, who can remember in the Bible reading we had, the crowds of people, they were following Jesus because he was doing amazing things for them. Who can tell me some of the things that Jesus was doing for the people? Michael's first, anybody else who has not had a go? Are you putting your hand up, Lydia? You've not had much of a go? No? Anybody else has not much, had much of a go? Wants to have a go? Oh, yes. Who can, what were the amazing things Jesus was doing? Can you tell me? Healing people. Heal the sick. Well done. That's right. Healing the sick. Doing amazing miracles. Healing people. 
And so Jesus was doing great things for people, and they were amazed at him. So there were big crowds, big crowds interested in him. Big crowds wanted to hear what he's got to say. Big crowds interested. Now, I wonder if you were back then in that day. I wonder if you'd be part of the crowds. I wonder if Jesus came around, maybe came onto the Fernwood Park on the field here, and he was doing amazing things, and people were coming to him. And I'm sure we'd all be interested, wouldn't we, to, to see people who couldn't walk, to walk again. People blind, to be able to see again. People who couldn't hear, to be able to hear again. We'd be amazed. People who had even died, coming back to life again. We'd want to listen, wouldn't we? We'd want to see. we want to know what's going on. We'd be part of the big crowd, I'm sure. But you know what? There were some people who were called disciples. Some people who really listened. Some people who weren't just interested in seeing amazing things happen, but people interested in knowing God, in being forgiven, in having a friendship with God, who wanted not just to be part of the crowd, but wanted to be Jesus' special friends. And it says when Jesus went on that mountain, that disciple mountain, there were big crowds around, and he wanted them to listen as well. They heard as well, because he wanted them to think about what he was saying. But he, it says that he called his disciples to him. Now, if that was happening today, would you be one of his disciples? If Jesus said, I want you who really love me and trust me and want to follow me, and take up your cross even and follow me, I want you to come. I've got something amazing to say to you. Would you like to come closer? Would you be one of those who came closer? Or would you be one of those who would stay in the crowd? Still interested? You want to find out, but you don't want to be so close. You don't want to be so interested. Would you be one of the disciples? Or would you be one of the crowd? And that's very important. Because to be a disciple of Jesus is to be a Christian. To be a Christian is to be someone who's saved, someone who trusts and follows Jesus. So who would you be? Who are you? Who are you now? Now, let's think about the message from Disciple Mountain, because there's things for us to take home with us, things for us to live out here from this message. Now, we need a saviour is the first message that comes from Disciple Mountain. Because it says here, Jesus said on, on that mountain time, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, poor in spirit means someone who knows that they do, they do wrong and are sorry for it. Now, are you that? Are you poor in spirit? Or are you proud, thinking, oh, I don't need to be forgiven. I'm all right. I don't need that. Jesus taught us when he spoke on Disciple Mountain to pray to the Father, to Father God, forgive us for our debts, forgive us for our sins. So we find out that from the message of Disciple Mountain that we need a saviour. We need to be poor in spirit. We need to be sorry for our sins. And we need to ask God to forgive us. And of course, we know, don't we, that Jesus went on about three years later to die on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven, our guilt could be cleaned, and we could be friends of God forever. The message from Disciple Mountain Jesus said this, right at the end, near the end of his time on Disciple Mountain. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So the message from Disciple Mountain is to not just to hear what Jesus said, but to put it into action, to see it as a way that we need to live. What Jesus says in his word is a way to live. It's not just for Sundays, it's for every day. And so, are you someone who... Is standing on the rock, or are you still part of the crowd? Your friends at school sadly might still be part of the crowd, but are you on the rock? Are you on the rock? 
Are you prepared to stand on the rock and say, yes, I'm a Christian, and I will follow Jesus, and I will do what he says, even if other people are trying to get you to do other things that wouldn't please Jesus? The message from uh, Disciple Mountain is also this, that we need to live in a way, as we follow Jesus, that shines. This is what it's, uh, he said. You are the light of the world. Speaking about you and me, for a Christian, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So the way that we need to live as disciples of Jesus is to aim high, to aim high, to live good lives, to live honest lives, to be kind, to be helpful, to be truthful, to be honest, and so on. And so we need to aim high, because that's what Jesus wants us to do. He's our Saviour, he's our King, and that's the message from Disciple Mountain. Now you know what? Here's a picture here of some, something trying to get to the top, something going towards the top. Now, are you always the cleverest at school? Are you always the cleverest? I wasn't. I wasn't. I had to work really hard to do my exams because I wasn't the cleverest at all. Okay? And some of you might be thinking, well, they're cleverer than me. I'm a Christian, but so-and-so at school is cleverer than me. Not fair. Do you know what? That doesn't matter. If you're not the cleverest, that doesn't matter. What I am always happy with, with Joel and Anna and Aletha, my children, when they got reports home from school, you know what? I didn't look for the, um, the grades that they got so much. I did look as well. But I didn't look whether they got A's or B's or C's in their exams and things like that, attainment. I looked at the efforts. If they put effort in, and if the teacher wrote, it's a delight to teach them. They're really good in class. They help others and so on. Those are the things that I really was happy about. Not, the, not, not getting good exam results. So it, that's not so important. If, you're, if we're a follower of Jesus, if we're a Christian, yes, do your best at school, aim to get the best in your exam results, but if the teacher says about you that you're someone who is good in class, who listens well and obeys the teacher, your parents will be so proud and God, Jesus, will be so proud as well. That's the most important thing. Not to get to the top of the class in all the results. If you can, do it. If you've got the brains, unlike me, do it. But the most important thing is this, to honour Jesus, to be a good friend to others, and to do your best to put your effort into it. And as we go to school or work, as in our neighbourhood, amongst our friends, Jesus wants to shine, to shine from the inside out, to shine good things and glorify our Father in heaven. That's another message from Disciple Mountain. Now let's move on. Another message from Disciple Mountain is this. Jesus says we need to do something. You can't just sit there and listen. You've got to do something. In your heart, you've got to do something. Enter through the narrow gates. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and then many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road to life, and only a few find it. So what do we have to do? If we're going to follow Jesus, if we're going to be a Christian, if we're going to be a disciple of Jesus, what do we need to do? Who can tell me what we need to do? Yes. Enter through the narrow gate. That's right. That means we need to make a decision in our hearts and a decision with all our lives to follow Jesus, to enter through the gate. Now, you might be part of the crowd listening to Jesus. You might be part of the crowd interested, excited about what he was doing. Maybe like other Christians, it's nice to come to church and see nice people and know that you're welcome, know you've got some people that love you. But you know what? You can sit here and listen for years and years and years. You can know that your parents are Christians or your grandparents are Christians, and you can listen and be respectful for years and years and years. But we need to do something. We need to enter 
to the narrow gate. We need to say to the Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. I thank you for dying on the cross for me. And I want to follow you. I want to go through that gate. And I want to be your friend, your disciple. I want you to be my king. I want you to be my savior. I want you to be my teacher. I want to follow you. We need to pray a prayer like that from our hearts. Have you done that already? If not, will you? And if you have, let's encourage one another, encourage each other as we follow Jesus, as we put into practice the message from Disciple Mountain. Shall we pray? You ready? Children, you don't, adults don't have to join if you don't want to, but you can as well. Let's do our prayer draw. Ready? One. Very good. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the message from Disciple Mountain. Thank you for who was there on the mountain. Jesus, your son, our saviour, the lawgiver, the one who shows us a wonderful way to live, the one who is our teacher, the one that we can trust, the one that we can follow. Lord, we pray for the youngest, the older, oldest of us here in this room. Help us to enter through the narrow gate, to be saved and to be a disciple of Jesus and to follow him, to shine for him all through our lives. And we ask for your blessing and help to do this. In his own precious name. Amen.